0: Welcome back to the Sport Media and Tech Podcast. I am Keel Blake. On this episode, Dr. Jeff Porter, Mark Hotchkin, and I spend time with Brian Bedford, global head of sports and entertainment channel sales at Cisco, and Zach Klima, founder and CEO of WaitTime. We discuss emerging venue tech and how they're helping bring fans safely back to sports entertainment experiences. We also talk about how to build professional relationships.
1: I went to my first Final Four when I was 10. I tell the story all the time, like I was hooked. Totally was immersed by you know how does how does who makes the popcorn and how did the shirts get delivered to Reunion Arena for God's sakes in 1986 and uh, and I was just hooked at a really early age. I knew that I wanted to do that. I had a passion for the industry. I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but I knew I like. I just didn't want to grow up and wanted to be a guy that worked in this space. And so um, I went to college as a student athlete ran track and cross country and and um, and and was was uh, that, that whole mindset of, you know, we're going to use athletics to, you know, kind of be a bridge to your professional career. That's what I did. I was an average guy running, but I knew that, you know, I could get a good business degree and I could network and I could, you know, learn all those fundamentals of training and hard work and all the discipline that you get as a student athlete. And that could apply. And I got my first job as a senior in college as a uh, sales executive for a minor league baseball team here in oklahoma city where i live today we're building a brand new ballpark and that just skyrocketed um kind of the or kickstarted maybe the career and um have you know i, I always say my kind of professional life has been kind of uh put into three chapters seven years on the team side eight years on kind of the video and data and tech side and then um And then the last nine um, at Cisco, um, helping kind of build out their whole connected sports and entertainment practice and uh, a bunch of other things that I do um, outside of my role at Cisco around recruiting and and so forth. So it's been exciting. I've known, again, I'm I'm, uh, in my mid 40s and I've known for, again, most of my life that this is what I wanted to do. And all the things that I did in college and all the things that I did early in career were all very intentional. And uh, led me to this point. So it's been a fun journey, and uh, I've met a lot of good friends along the way.
2: You know, I started, I, I got a master's degree in architecture, and, you know, lifelong, um, I played, uh, I didn't get recruited out of, out of high school. I, I, I let my NFL dreams die with my <laughs> 5'11, 180 stature out of high school. But um, I started to, uh, I went to architecture school, uh, got a master's degree there. Um, and being in the sports world my entire life, I knew that I wanted to be in sports. And architecture clearly has a an intersection with sports, um, but I knew I needed to be on on the on the digital end of the equation, which of course is vague. Um, and so I did. I graduated, briefly had a, a design stint with a couple of firms, and realized I needed to be on the other side of the equation in, in terms of se- uh, you know sales. So, so- I went into architectural product sales, but I never really believed in the products because I thought they were kind of, uh, you know, crappy. I mean, I thought that, that, you know, you couldn't, um, you couldn't rationalize ROI. There wasn't, it didn't change behavior. It didn't change the way that people experienced the space. So with that being said, I, um, <clears throat> I founded, I founded wait time about six and a half years ago now. Um, you know, after, after about two years after college and um, I was um, naive enough to just jump right in and get started. And, uh, you know, at this point in time, fast forward to today, um, you know, we have we built a, a, a pretty amazing product that still remains unrivaled out there. And uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting because along the way you have folks like Cisco uh, and Brian was the first person I met, but that come and, you know, they put their arm around you and say, hey, Zach, we believe in you believe in your product and, and, you know, you, we can add value. You can add value to us, we can add value to you and, um, kind of take things to the next level. So a little bit about my background. I, um, about seven years now in in the, in the game. So.
3: That's great. Um, love to kind of dive in a little bit more about each of the companies you work for. Obviously a lot of people have heard of Cisco and there's a lot of things that you're, you're doing there, but love to kind of dive in a little bit more depth of, uh, maybe around this conversation than. Uh, what wait times do and uh, also uh, how you've been working together recently.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, Cisco's um, really the industry leader in, in uh, technology and connectivity and um, get this uh, kind of notion of, um, of, um, you know, being a leader in market transitions and technology. And so really the, the internet, as you know it today is really, you know, it's, it's, it's really buoyed by a lot of things that cisco's doing. I think i read a stat maybe a year ago at the time it was like 80% or 85% of the world's internet traffic touches a cisco product. I mean that's just unfathomable to think about the scale, right? Um, so we've, you know, 70,000 employees and i'm just one of many Ciscoans that that help, you know, um, you know, try to bring technology to life and we've been on a decade and a half journey. Um, in, in, in relative to sports and entertainment specifically, we're, we're nearly a 30 minute, 30 year old company, but been on this journey with sports and entertainment. And, you know, I remember when I came and when I, you know, was interviewing and looking at it, you know, we were still trying to figure out, you know, what HD meant. And I mean, just think about how far technology's really changed. Right. If we were, we were concerned that people were going to bring a laptop to a baseball game and how are we going to get them connected? Like, you know, it's just, uh, so it's been fun to really um, evoke uh, kind of leverage the the broader technology machine that we have, but also, you know make it applicable, right? to the space and the industry that 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 those of us that are you know on this podcast or those listening are interested in. and and I think that's the real that's a unique skill set is to take technology and make it uh, applicable. I, I was on yesterday with a member of the press, and we were talking about, you know, making making technology like personal because then it becomes pervasive. So I use the analogy like, hey, when back when we used to travel, you know, if you didn't have a TV in your room, how weird would that have been, right? It just becomes an expectation. Like you can connect to Wi-Fi if you go to Panera or Starbucks now. Well, the same expectations really change now in venues and stadiums. And so there's just a level of expectation that... Just like there's going to be clean bathrooms, there's a level of technology infrastructure that's in there, and so being part of the team that's really built that from scratch and and building the strategy from from day one to, to now and seeing it scale to hundreds of venues has been really cool, Mark. So um, and having great partners, I mean, we can't do this. We we we're a very partner friendly business. We understand, I think, better than many on how to really build. Joint value for for partners that 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 obviously then maximizes the 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 investment that our shared customers make and and we continue to kind of see that as a as a model and and I think that will only continue as expectations around customer experience become more and more important um, and uh, we see that as a trend that's not slowing down by any stretch of the imagination so that's at least my point of view from Cisco.
2: Yeah, definitely and. Uh... So, when I first started Wait Time, um, you know, as I joked that I was naive enough to just jump right in, we, but, you know, that that actually worked to our advantage because we, uh, we put together a team of entrepreneurs. For example, our head of technology is the global leader in imaging. He actually invented an imaging technology about 25 years ago that claims about half the world market. So, when I had met him and we came together and we put uh, kind of serendipitously this team of we call it the team of Avengers together because everyone's a kind of an expert in their own field. Um, you know, we came in from outside of sports, which was actually really good for us because you have fresh eyes on the industry. You don't have any biases. You don't have any, you just kind of go in eyes, eyes wide shut. And so with that being said, you know, it was, it was, um, it was great because we, you know, we were able to give, um, you know, these different kinds of opinions, like why is it being done this way? Why is it being done that way? This doesn't make any logical sense. So with that being said, we started to shake some trees and um, and Cisco or very early on reached out to us and said, hey, Zach, um, we started to get it some press. Uh, the, the Detroit Pistons, the Palace of Auburn Hills was our uh, initial client that we kind of birthed wait time out of. And we got a lot of press because it's, you know, who likes to wait in line, our solution. Through our artificial intelligence, guides people to the shortest lines in real time on digital displays and on the mobile on the team's mobile application, which is now turned into a very robust crowd intelligence platform. But <clears throat> a, who wouldn't want to know that? Uh, and b, um, you know, we we knew we weren't going to get to a point in time where we dreamed of without having a a, a larger, par- scalable partner come along. And so when Cisco came along, it was kind of a dream come true because not only, um, not only is it you know scale. You can get scale from anyone. You can get scale from uh, Microsoft or or Dell or whoever. But when it comes to Cisco, I mean, I was a young guy. I was 26 at the time. I was always fighting the the you know the stigma of oh you're a young guy. You don't really know what you're doing. I'm not going to take you seriously. But right off the bat. Brian and his team with, you know, Ken, Willie, and other people in the, that helped lead the sports branch, they didn't not take me seriously. It took me very seriously. And they said, hey, we can, we know where you're going. We know the team you have, and we think that we can really help get you there, because we're literally the global leader in, you know, in, in, in this space, um, not just with sports, but in other verticals. And Zach, your technology is much more applicable than just sports. Um, so... It was actually, the, the, you know, we just announced a global partnership um, that Brian has been unbelievably instrumental in, in striking for wait time in Cisco, um, where we're now their, uh, their go-to crowd management solution globally, um, and that was just announced in January. But that's been, if you look at uh, the whole iceberg thing, you know, that's been about four years in the works. Um, you know, for me, you know, being pleasantly persistent with Brian, hey, how do, how do we sell? How do you know, how do we do this? How do we do that? Um, where? Sh- how do we encourage Cisco salespeople to sell wait time solution? Um, how can we integrate our products more? So um, it's been you know kind of a crazy story, but um, what was just announced in January has been about four years coming. So, and it came at a perfect time.
1: I'm I'm totally stealing that pleasantly persistent, that I like yeah, that. Yeah, go
2: ahead. Yeah. I like it. Can I steal that?
1: You don't, have, you don't have that patented yet, do
2: you? No, 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 no. it's all yours, man. You got it.
4: Wow. Actually, I might use that. I might give you guys a citation in the next piece I write. So just that, know that's Perfect. coming.
2: Yeah, hey, good, man.
4: Well, we're going to dive into to AI a little bit about the mobile app. And as you bring up the Palace of Auburn Hills, Keel and I have some great memories uh, being there. Mm-hmm. And, and now that it's gone, you know, to Little Suits Arena, we can talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Well, 2004, Brian, with- Come on,
0: let's let's at least call it out. 2004, NBA champions. Come oh, on. Yeah. Was that not the best the best team to watch ever?
2: Oh,
4: yeah. Ever. <laughs> ever, ever. We're not gonna have this conversation right now. We're not.
0: We're just not. A lot of a lot of students are shaking their heads right now. Like,
4: oh. just, no, yeah. no. Me too.
0: God, Actually, me too. too. No, <laughs> Professor Keel. No, we're not doing
4: that. Right, uh, right. Brian, you started something. I kind of want to get your take on the Zach your take. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before we got started, but, you know, as this industry is expanding, all right? you talk about the, when you go into a hotel room, right, we know that there's certain infrastructure that should be there. Well, Wi-Fi 6 is, is coming, 5G is coming. How will these new technological advances impact your business, and where do you see things going from there? Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a good question. I think, um, listen, we've seen the maturity happen in this space over the last decade and a half um, at least from my point of view, one is, um, many of the technology spend, you know, 10, 15 years ago was, how do we get email to, you know, our coaches, our players, our staff, our, you know, not players, but, you know, our staff, our, you know, if it was an athletics our you know, athletic department or, or, you know, compliance or whatnot, or even on the pro side, you know, our scouts and player personnel and front office folks, and, that, and that's really, and maybe their largest purchase when you think about technology at that point in time was maybe a video board. Like, that's probably their biggest purchase, right, as an athletic department or, or a team. Because um, many of the other stuff was really not kind of like thought, you know, not it just wasn't even thought about. And so I think that that's really changed because I think that expectations, societal expectations have really changed. And so, I mean, again, if, you know, I use this kind of this concept all the time. I think people now realize that if I can do it at my house, why can't I do it anywhere I'm at? Like, why, why is it a limiting factor? Like my daughters don't understand why, you know, my 2010 Suburban, why just, why doesn't it have a hotspot in it? Like, you know, like they just, they just don't understand. Right. And, and so, you know, I don't have the cool car like Zach does here. So, you know, uh, but so, so I think that, Uh, It's a long-winded way of saying that I think the expectations of technology have really changed. And I think that the new technologies that you referenced and, and, and even some of the legacy technologies of the last, you know, five to 10 years have really added a different level of expectation, right? When would we have ever thought about, I mean, 10 years ago or 16 years ago when you guys were you know, chilling out at the, you know, Palace of Auburn Hills, for God's sakes, you weren't thinking about just, you know, grab-and-go food. It was not even a concept. You were just nowhere near thinking that, right? You weren't thinking about, um, you know, maybe you were thinking about betting or you weren't thinking about advanced uh, content in the broadcast. I mean, you know, you look back on some of that stuff now, those old games that are sitting on YouTube and they just look so archaic, right? And that wasn't that long ago. Um, for that matter, 20, 2004. There's probably nobody on this call that had a high-definition television set, right? So, 5G, Wi-Fi 6, they will be n- the newest uh, evolution of technologies, and they'll provide, you know, a bunch of new opportunities for companies to build and create a whole new ecosystem. But it's much like what we've just experienced, right? We saw just an influx of mobile apps and social media and gaming and so forth the last 10 15 years that new technology spiked with kind of just i think uh, a reset of the industry around covid it's going to create a whole new set of you know uh, opportunities so um, we're just uh, just you just you got to learn to um, you know to use a sports analogy kind of guess where the hockey puck is going to go but it also, you know, we believe that we're kind of the, you know, the infrastructure, we're that utility that allows and fosters all that innovation to sit on top. And again, 5G and Wi-Fi 6 are just another example of that in sports.
2: Yeah. And, and that, no, that's a great point. All of those are great points, Brian. And, and really one thing that resonates really well with us. So when I first started wait time, you know, we were getting all these inbound calls because we didn't have, there was anything, nothing out there like it, and there still isn't, but people were getting all these, you know, all these, you know, um, CTOs were calling us. And I, and and I want to say CTO, because I'm going to talk about that in a second. All these CTOs were calling us, and they were saying, this is so intriguing. We've given them the, the, the demo of the, of the you know, our, our crowd intelligence platform. They'd be like, oh my God, this is mind boggling. But with that being said, few converted into sales. Which was confusing at the time, because, and I think I talked to you, Brian, about this. I'm like, you know, what's going on? Like, why why aren't these people just buying it? They're like, Zach, you know, uh, uh, it doesn't happen like that. There, there's a whole the sports industry is a, is a boys' club. um, A, B, people are adverse to change, and you know, Zach. Unfortunately, at this point in time, it it will change in the future. But you're a nice-to-have product because you're new. It's a luxury item. It's a nice to have product, but Cisco putting their arm around us, it made us transition from a nice to have to a need to have. And especially with COVID, um, it's really a big shift in our business. You know, all the people and all the organizations that have said, oh, Zach, you're a luxury product. You're an ad, like a, uh, you guys are a Ferrari or whatever we've heard um, for whatever reason they gave us to say, no, not right now. Brian, it goes back to your point about you have to raise expectations. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like your, your, your suburban example. Why does this have a hotspot? You know, it's gonna come to a point in time where because of the partnership with Cisco and with wait time, you know, people are gonna be asking, why doesn't this arena have wait time on Cisco? Why doesn't this stadium have uh, wait time on Cisco? So, uh, you know, it changes the priorities. And what we've seen is we were able to help with Cisco, kind of rewrite these rules of normalcy uh, you know, when it comes to the sports industry with standards, just coming from the pandemic, we haven't seen. We saw the, but the biggest shift of prioritization of technologies stemming from COVID, and wait time, you know, just so happened to be like really right there at the top, and Cisco helped us get there, uh, you know, absolutely, uh, and so that's that's where we see this reprioritization of technologies and wait time happens to be on the, uh, you know, the higher end of the reprioritization of, of technologies, whether it be Wi-Fi 6 or 5G, um, it helps to change the mindset of, you know, out with the old, in with the new, um, you know, and I think that COVID was a an accelerant to that because we, COVID helped to realize, help us realize as, a, as an industry and the decision makers that this is this is a shift that needs to happen. We can't have uh, risk adverse CTOs anymore going back to my point about CTOs um, they, you know they've been there for 25 plus years in the same position and the latest thing they did was um, install Microsoft Outlook for their employees. you know it's one of those things where um, there is a big shift that's happening a digitization remake, redo and to your point, um, you know Jeff about all that, it's it's really there's a bigger story to it, but it actually helps to drive our agenda forward in a most meaningful way.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I love Zach just real quick. I, you know, the a quote, I mean, I, I was looking at a deck that I had presented like in 2013. Uh, and I, I think I spoke at one of the big tech conferences at the time. And I used this quote, which is personal technology becomes pervasive when you notice it in its absence. I mean just think about that like right now if you didn't have intelligence to understand who and how traffic patterns are going into your venue like whoa right now as we're trying to bring fans back to venues like that's a pretty big gap right and we just use that one as an example since Zach's on here but there are a number of other things right when you think about like just data and telemetry that feeds the broadcast like If you didn't have a score bug and all the different stats that were coming in on ESPN now, you would notice it in its absence, right? If you don't have Wi-Fi in your hotel room when when we all can travel back, like, we will notice it because we won't get any productivity done. I remember when I got my first uh, smartphone and I could actually check email, like, on my phone, and I was like, this is amazing. And A, I'm probably dating myself for those students that are listening to this, but in general, right, it's it's that notion of, you know, that's when things become mainstream. And I think, you know, being part of the industry, long as long as I have, um, good or bad, as that may be, I think, you know, we've seen this happen several times, and it's fun to kind of watch it happen over and over and over.
0: Yeah, both of you have talked about technology, and, and technology is so important at the core of of these new innovative products. But... The, the ability, and both of you touched on this, to understand human behavior and how to apply it is, is so much greater, right? And not every CTO has that balance. And, and it sounds like, Zach, you were touching on that, is to be innovative to move forward. The CTOs and technology leaders have to get under human behavior. I mean, we wouldn't even be on this call today, frankly, if it wasn't for the fact that LinkedIn was the technology. So I kept seeing um, you know wait times, uh images coming up with it was a really neat video you have showing the algorithm going and that and and zach this was before the announcement of the partnership with cisco so although brian and mark are connected we didn't we didn't know that so you were kind enough to take my call before the holiday and then from a human behavior standpoint, we all of a sudden realized we played basketball against each other as middle schoolers and we grew yeah. up in the same area. It's crazy, right? And all of a sudden, there was a lot of commonalities there. But those are the things, right, that when you merge that into experiences and you use technology to be able to measure it, you can bring people together. So I need to ask a really important question because this podcast today is brought to you by the state of Michigan, being that <laughs> Zach, Dr. Porter are freezing right now in 18-degree weather, 22-mile-an-hour you
4: know, winds. Wind. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I need to get down to Oklahoma.
4: Oh, Brian, what do yes. you got, man? Come
1: on. Hey, I, there's a song that says the wind sweeps down the plains, if you might have heard of that. So. Yeah. And, and brian you, you made me hungry talking about food in the, the
0: venues and food in venues has changed drastically right back in 2004 it was like i'd go get the little plastic tray with like the nachos the cheese and maybe they'd throw some jalapenos in and that that's it that was like that was like the best dish but now you can get any local food that you know is popular that are setting up shop in venues so my question for uh zach um and dr porter What's your favorite kind of Michigan pizza?
2: Hey, you go first, Dr. Porter.
4: (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. See, you just you just hit it. You just hit a a sense of the spot. Let me explain to you folks out there what this is. All right. There is one kind of pizza. Okay. It's called New York style pizza. Period. There's no Detroit Mm -hmm. style pizza. There's no Chicago style pot pie. Mm -hmm. No, it's not that. It's New York style pizza. And whoever gets the best New York style pizza. And so far, I'm still trying to find it. There is no such thing as a four-corner, eight-corner pizza. That is that is a casserole, <laughs> is what that is.
1: Now, next, oh, I'm man. assuming that you don't eat a you don't eat your pizza with a fork either.
4: No, that is unacceptable. Again, unacceptable. <laughs> There's only one way, to, a proper way to eat a real pizza is to fold it and have to grease it around your arm, and that's how you'll speed the
2: pizza.
0: Wow. Yeah. Zach, how do you follow
2: that? Oh uh, you know, It's uh that's a great that's a great question. Uh, I'm sure you've been to uh, Pizza House, Jeff, many times in Ann Arbor. Many times. Many times. You know, I'm going to say something very controversial, whether it be Michigan pizza or not. To this day, to this day, I don't care who you are. The best pizza out there is Pizza Hut, and I don't care what anyone <laughs> oh says. <my> what? <laughs> what? And, I, and, I have to, and I have to give one of my investors, uh, Steve Jabara, one of my best oh. friends, um, he oh, has boy. turned me on to. A- uh, and I, the, from the stuff crust to everything, I don't care what anyone says. Zach. What? what is this? Brian. Hey, you know what, though? I give
0: you so much respect for having confidence to just come out and say it, that you like <laughs> Pizza Hut. There is nothing yeah. wrong with that, and I'm glad hey. you did.
1: Hey, uh, hey, hey guys. Hey. I, I have some breaking news that I'd like to in- include in the podcast <laughs> here. I am hereby revoking our partnership. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's
0: awesome. Oh, man. But That happened here. Happened here. Breaking yeah. news. Breaking will news. Will be Breaking news. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: First reported by. Well, yeah. all right. So, so I'll give it quick, but Buddy's Pizza, Buddy's Pizza in uh, in the Detroit area, it's good. I grew up near it, on it. My sister worked there, so it, it has a special place in my heart.
4: It's but, a nice snack, right. is what it is. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> it it fits in your casserole category, there, Doctor Porter. But all right, so so going back, you know, the other thing with human behavior we talk about is relationships, right? So one of the other things Zach we identified is we shared um, just a, a mutual. Um, relationship with uh, the Jordans, right? So the Jordans went to UCF. Um, Jeff and Marcus played basketball there. Um, I happen to live across the hall from Marcus and Jeff is one of your advisors, I believe. So um, could you share a little bit about the people that have made an impact on your business and how relationships have helped you?
2: Definitely. I mean, it's all about relationships. It, you know, c- uh, Brian, you know this. Now, you taught me so much about relationships and and you know don't you know it's not about short term it's about lifetime um and it's about reputation it's about trust it's about integrity which is honestly a big reason why i gravitated so much towards cisco because they treated me like family i know i could call up any of them at any point in time whether it be brian or ken martin or whoever else and and, and they'll answer my call and it could be completely a, a, a question about life or a question about business and they, and they would and they would take the call. Um, and that's the way that I've um, started and, I, and this is you know this is not originated by Zach Klima. This is this is from years of people who are much wiser and older than me telling me, hey, le- Zach, learn from my mistakes. Um, which is the, the way that I look about it. Uh, and so uh, Jeff came on board. Jeff's an investor. And uh, Jeff is uh, Michael, Michael Jordan's oldest son. Uh, and then, obviously, he transferred to UCF after he went to University of Illinois, played basketball there, to come down and play basketball with his brother. So Jeff, um, actually from the Palace, all the press that we got with the Pistons, um, uh, one of Jeff's best friends from high school uh, out of Chicago, his name is Sivan Avakian. Um, I knew Sivan, he went to Loyola Chicago. Um, a bunch of my friends uh, went uh, from from Loser High School, actually, uh, um, went uh, to Loyola, and I met Savan through them. And mm-hmm. he had he had uh, contacted me, hey, Zach. You know, uh, kept in contact throughout the years. When I started Wait Time, he's like, "Hey, Zach, this is really cool. Jeff and I are thinking about starting an investment group um, called the Jordan Novakian Group. I-, I would love to um, have Jeff and myself fly out to meet your business partners." Um, who at the time it was John Mars, um, our head of technology, uh, and we had a suite at the Palace where we showcased technology out of, and I was like, I don't know if I can swear in this show, but you know, yeah, right. Like I'm not gonna, there's no way that Michael Jordan's son is gonna fly out here from Portland, Oregon, from um, you know, a Nike's campus to come, you know, with a with a you know, a jabroni like me, you know, and you know, to see wait time. Like, this is crazy. So I immediately cleared out whatever I had in my schedule, um, and uh, he flew in. He did uh, about two weeks later. He flew in. We immediately hit it off. Jeff is my age. Literally, he's about uh, two months younger than me. Um, he flew out. Kind of, we hit it off immediately. Kind of fell in love with uh, with wait time, and he's been. You know, it's about a a year long of negotiations slash background checks slash making sure that we're allowed to touch his family's name in so, any way, shape or form. Um, and it's kind of interesting because the final test was, hey Zach, you know, my dad's old school. Um, he wants to, you know, shake your hand, look you in the eye, make sure you're not a POS. Like, well, you know, will you come down to Florida and meet my dad? And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, obviously I'm gonna, I'm gonna accommodate that. So flew down. Um, you know, met, met with, uh, met with his old man for, you know, about a whole day. And you just kind of shot the shit. Didn't talk anything about Jordan brand. Didn't talk anything about Jordan. Didn't talk anything about basketball. Didn't talk anything about any of that. It was all about what's your vision, what's your background. And honestly, I've learned a lot about relationships and how to form them by the way that Jeff and his dad and his entire family for that matter treated me and the way that they do it because they have to be so protective about their relationships that I took a page out of their playbook and I use it now when I, whenever I um, have to profile people if they want to get involved in the company, what are their intentions, et cetera. And honestly, I've, I've built wait time off of relationships. not about, hey, you sign a deal with someone or hey, I meet Brian Bedford, um, you know what can Cisco do for wait time tomorrow? No, it's 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 a lifetime thing. It's it's you have to be super cautious. You have to be super calculated, uh, and you have to build it naturally. You can't. It's people first, business second, um, and that's the way I've I've kind of long-winded answer to your question. But that's the way that I've I've viewed it and kind of unfolded that strategy in a in a macro way.
3: One thing I, I was curious about. Maybe this is a little bit more for Brian, but uh, I think it's it's worth thinking about. I've I've thought about it a lot more as I've gotten into the business development side of. Technology is. How do you one kind of keep up with all the change and the evolution of these spaces? And then, I guess I think kind of related to that, how do you share that vision with either potential customers or um, you know decision makers as you go through that process? Because a lot of times, I think when we're talking about evolving uh, technology like this, you have to kind of paint a picture. So I'm curious how you one, stay on top of it, and then also translate that to, to ways that will be relatable.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. And in, um, we, I've got a, probably a couple of examples here on just things that we've done to kind of um, paint that picture. Um, we've, we've created a couple of different tools in my time here at Cisco. We did one around um, kind of media broadcasts and the content space we called it our media blueprint and and we've evolved that now where you can go online and just type in Cisco's, uh, Cisco's portfolio Explorer and look at what we do in sports, media, and entertainment. And it really kind of helps segment out different use cases and different areas and how we want to set vision and how we want to showcase our partnerships, uh, including guys like Zach and wait times. Um, and, and, um, those have been ways that we've kind of tried to, you know, share that vision. Um, we spend a lot of time candidly with press and analysts and podcasts and things like this to get that message out there. Um, we're very active on the scene. We probably get asked, I mean, on average, you know, two or three times a week to speak at an event, sponsor an event, pay for the breakfast, whatever it is around the world. And, and so that comes with some a pretty great responsibility, to be honest, Mark, because we can't be at everything and we can't fund everything but certainly I think we've got an insight on that and then, you know, how we get that information, certainly we're following a lot of news nuggets and, and we're also, um, you know, we do a lot of research too. I mean, there's a lot of pure data that we are getting. Um, we're able to leverage kind of the broader uh, research and, and investment here at Cisco, but, but obviously being close to the industry and your customers and your partners is certainly critical.
2: Yeah, you got to keep your you got to keep your ear to the ground, and you know related to obviously what I know a lot about, which is wait time. You know, it was about we were three years, probably more than that. And I've had a lot of conversations with Brian about this. We were years ahead of the market, and that's that's where I give Cisco incredible foresight to identify wait time to say, hey, this is going to be relevant in the future to your. I like that. You're going to steal pleasantly, persistent from me. I'm going to steal guess where the hockey puck is going from you, Brian. But, you know, they they saw that and they identified wait time as part of that. But it's all about, hey, what are your problems with your customers? Because Cisco has so many of them, hearing them and, you know, identifying, okay, well, we've identified wait time um, over here and here are the problems of a lot of our customers in some way, shape or form, wait time's not gonna be everything for everyone, but in some way, shape or form, wait time can help fill a void of all these different problems that your customers are facing. So keeping the ear to the ground and then you know, hearing from Cisco, which was honestly so motivational and, and kind of kept calm in terms of turbulent times with wait time is, hey, Zach, your time is coming. Uh, and, and obviously the, the past year of life across the world really help to accelerate that. But hey, Zach, your time is coming. This is going to be a building standard. So really, you got to have the, the foresight to identify these opportunities and to um, be loyal to them. As Cisco has for wait time for quite some, for the past four years now, um, and then now it's intersecting. So it's all about timing, um, I, I should say. It's really all about timing and and the foresight to know the timing's coming. One thing I do want to talk to you guys about is let's talk about your current applications with AI,
4: right? That's, some, that's something we kind of broached about a little bit, but I kind of want to take a next dive in a little bit, in the last few minutes that we have, right? Uh, let's talk about the what the actual applications actually do. Let's talk about how they make as a as a consumer or as a department wide, right? So I wear both hats. How, when I go into the when I go into a venue, what am I able to do? How is it going to make my life easier? And let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll hit on it real quick. And I mean, Zach's got a great example of what they're building on top of our products. But I mean, I think queuing, traffic patterns, traffic management, parking, I think betting, I think broadcast, those are all kind of the big ones, um, Jeff, that jump out to me when I think about kind of use cases. Um, Certainly, we're seeing um, more and more kind of fan experience type technologies that are being built. Um, but right now, I mean, we're in a, you know, uh, in, in, well, before I get to that, I mean, we always talk about, we want to create operational efficiencies. We want to lower costs and we want to drive fan experience and, and revenue right now. I mean, the operation piece is a big piece of the puzzle, right? Cause we've got to get fans back into these buildings. And we've got to do it in a meaningful, safe way that then in the future, then will transition from just an operational and safety thing to then how do you leverage queuing and, and so forth into kind of a revenue generator. So my my perfect segue to the founder of Pizza Hut, Zach Clement Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. So I just I'm going to share my screen. I know it's not going to be shared, but um, but I just want to give you guys some visual context. So what we do um, and you talked about, you know, how this AI works, et cetera. So what we do is we mount cameras, these are Meraki cameras, Cisco Meraki cameras above everywhere where there's a queue. So think about concession lines, restroom lines, retail lines, et cetera. And so what our technology does, everyone talks about AI and it's, I, I get so TO'd about people talking about, oh with this AI application here, there's AI, application, and they, they can't explain it or they can't show it. So that's why I wanna show it to you. So this is our AI working over a crowd in real time. So our cameras take screenshots 10 times per second in this measurable area, which is the magenta box. And we're tracking speed of direction in inches per second. We're tracking direction of movement because we place each person on a coordinate plane system. And we do all this to determine the candidacy if you're in line or you're not in line. So it's not, hey, there's Brian and there's Zach. It's, there's an X and there's a Y. So we're GDPR privacy laws compliant and so knowing how your fans are, are behaving in this, these areas are so important. So different algorithms we have, that was queuing. We have stanchions. So this when you have stanchions um, you know, in line, which is kind of where the world is going towards. Is more of a structured line. You know, when you don't have an above overhead view, you have our massing technology, which is monitoring the occupancy of a given area from a 0% filled to 100% filled. And then um, we also have stemming from COVID our entry-exit algorithm. So setting these on the doors, counting how many people are going in and out of any room, whether it be a restroom or a convention center or or a club like the Regent's Club at Michigan uh, or whatever it may be, um, you know, monitoring real-time room occupancy is very key at this point in time. So this is on the back end side. Uh, this it, it, is the, the AI, the, the magic. I, I'm sorry, Zach. I want to say that
0: our, our listeners will be able to see this on YouTube. So if they're hearing you and they're interested in seeing this, I want them to be able cool. to they can flip over YouTube and, and, and see this. And cool. then I'm curious, as you're explaining this, what other applications do you have from the data that you're getting? Because I see you're getting so much data from every single person on the on the plot map.
2: Yeah, so we actually have uh, these end of event reports that we develop. Um, this is what that looks like here. Um, so we are actually monitoring from you know each area, so Wine Fryer, Blue Zone, Burgers, etc., from the start of the event to the end of the event, and what the real-time crowd behavior is. So this is not we're paying your Bluetooth or your cell phone or your Wi-Fi. This is real crowd intelligence, and I'm very adamant about that because we're tracking the actual human body, so we're able to have achieve high levels of accuracy, um, you know, anonymously of course, but we're able to they're able to make operational changes. So we work with you know all the big food and beverage companies, to um, starting to warm up you know relationships with you know NCAA properties and the, the the ownership groups or I'll call them the digital rights groups that have a monopoly on the industry, um, which I'm sure you can imagine who they are. Um, and so we we're starting to work with them in terms of these crowd behavior analytics, um, but you know not even just on the data side, which ha- helps the operate operations um, significantly but also on the fan side, you know, fans have to become part of the solution. So as a fan leaves their seat, what we have is our real time intelligent wayfinding, which is Cisco vision and it shows fans concessions to the right and to the left restrooms to the right and to the left and what the wait times are in that green, yellow, red spectrum bar analysis. That's all being fed from those AI algorithms that I showed you. So we built interior and exterior environment traffic system for people, first in the world off of Cisco Vision. That was our first integration with Cisco. Um, and there's obviously revenue opportunities with sponsorship, and we also integrate with each of the team's mobile applications. So when we go into the University of Michigan, uh, we will have, uh, we will integrate with your- well, I with, can't wait. Your, yeah, your mobile strategy here. So fans at their seat can see what the wait times are at their fingertips in real time. And obviously, with the generation of college students, everyone's mobile forward anyway. Um, and so, you know, this is the both the, from a, a summary digest from the back end side with the analytics and the and the AI, which is built and processed off of Cisco servers, to kind create the story here. Cisco servers and the Cisco cameras and Cisco switches, the nuts and bolts, and on the front end, which is the fan side, which is off Cisco Vision. I mean, it's full stack. Cisco, and they've helped to kind of inject steroids into our solution to, um, you know, make it run smoother. And so, this at a at a Reader's Digest level, that's the application of AI um, in this space. But um, it's bread and butter of sports.
0: That, that's awesome, and I'd have to imagine that not only for the fans, but also for the teams and the sponsors, this data is invaluable. Because now, if you're one of the sponsors, you could see actual data around how many people walked by your signage or your booth or say during COVID, you know, say you have a hand sanitizing station and it's sponsored by somebody um, you can actually see how many people wash their hands um, or, you totally. know, sanitize their hands. You could also see, you know, if you put up new messaging for COVID safety, um, yeah. what is, what is the impact of that messaging? Because once you changed it up, you can benchmark between games and things like that. So it's really neat what you're sharing here and and and, and how that can add value to not only the fans, but the sponsors and others. Totally,
4: absolutely. Like this technology is cool. Like I would love to like, it's it's funny because I think colleges and, and sport teams in general, I think the industry as, as a whole is always not always, but consistently a step or two behind. Because imagine if you have 100,000 to 100,000, 150,000 people, whether it's a track stadium, whether it's a NASCAR stadium, whether it is any kind of large venue. Now I'm trying to figure out where and how to get to the things I want, and how long I have to wait for them. That's an awesome piece of information to know, especially at your fingertips. So I don't have to get out of my seat and go wait 30 minutes. Or I might miss the two, three biggest plays of the game. So Correct. I love it. I love uh, every morning of it. So it's really cool for me.
2: Awesome. Yeah, man, we're uh, we're actually uh, we're we're trying to talk to U of M right now. Um, Bruce Maje, I think you know <laughs> Bruce. Yeah, he's the yeah. Uh, he's the he's the living encyclopedia that is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I don't think he's the right guy for us. He told me to go through one of the regions, so we'll connect offline about U of M. Sounds good. Yeah.
0: well, well hey. Zach, we appreciate so much you taking the time to not only just share part of your personal journey, really enjoyed what you shared about your experience uh, through relationships and the realness of that. Um, And then also showing us your technology and and the product. It's extremely innovative. I know the students are going to love it, but we end with a tradition. And so we just want to ask you, what advice would you have for the students? Um, And then we'll take it out from there.
2: Yeah, uh, that's that's a good one. Honestly, always question the status quo because if, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be talking to you guys. Um, you know the, the, the nine to five life is is one thing, um, but you know, always challenge the status quo. and just because you get a degree in something doesn't mean that you' you're landlocked to that. you know the world is is really your you know is really your oyster. So if you if you see a problem, everyone always asks me, you know, Zach, um, how do you start a company? Um, et cetera, which is of course a broad question, but uh, you know, kind of a long and longer answer to your question is find a problem to solve because that's when real value is created. If you create a problem that you're going to solve, that's cheap, find a real problem to solve and build a team around it. And then, you know, you'll start to get traction. So that's, that's what I'll have to say. And, um, you know, it's always a moving target, but uh, at the end of the day, the, the, the bottom line is find the problem you're trying to solve and always challenge the status quo.
0: And that's a wrap. Join us next episode for the future of VR training with CEOs of VR Motion Training, Gregory Gittinger and Christian Barsanti of Resol.